This is the Ebb and Flow Podcast with Ide Bailey, where you'll find inspired insights on forward movements in the middle market. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Ebb and Flow. I'm your host, Clinton Larson, and joining me today on the podcast as my co-host is Trina Michaels, a senior manager here at Ide Bailey and an ERP guru. Welcome to the podcast, Trina. Thank you, Clinton. I'm so excited to be here co-hosting with you. Yes, I'm glad you're here. And as our guest today, we have John Alt, a principal here at Ide Bailey. And John, maybe I'll let you just tell the people what you do here at Ide Bailey. Sure, Clinton. Uh, this is, again, I'm John Alt. I'm a principal in our data analytics practice and technology consulting. I've uh, been with the firm for about 12 years, uh, focused on a lot of different things. Uh, starting out in our advisory practice, helping clients get the most uh, out of their technology investments. And uh, again, now currently working in our data analytics practice. Today's topic is one that's really important for businesses. I think it's talking about what goes into your tech stack. And, you know, and as I was prepping for this podcast, I was thinking about, you know, just my own little personal tech stack. You know, I have an iPhone that I use for my own personal day-to-day needs. I have a laptop that I use for my, you know, for work. And within those systems, I have, you know, different different types of software that I use. And sometimes they mesh together really well. Sometimes they don't. You know, I'm kind of one of those people who's constantly hopping from my phone calendar to my work calendar. And I wish those things worked better. But, you know, sometimes you just have the systems you have. But for businesses, there's a lot of options out there uh, for what they can and can't do. And I feel like they must have similar issues as I have with my stuff, right? Is that what is that what you guys tend to see when we talk about tech stacks with businesses? Yes, Clinton, I do see that a lot with companies and systems needing to mesh together. Oftentimes we will see organizations where you have one department, perhaps maybe it's accounting who's focused on one type of automation and perhaps purchasing is looking at another. And then each of them make a decision in a silo and all of a sudden things can't talk well together. And I've talked about this before and people will hear me say this, good systems are like good children. They play well together. And having a holistic view of your technology stack, not just at a point in time or a point in your process, but from an overall process is incredibly important. I think one other thing to highlight there that's related is that sometimes those personal tech stacks and the business tech stacks they have to mesh well together too. Um, you know, as we uh, record the podcast, I'm sitting in the hotel room and I uh, checked in and out with the electronic key. So I didn't have to go into the front desk. I didn't have to do any of that. And it's worked about half the time the first time on that. That whole solution, you know, is dependent on their tech net, the business tech stack, and then also my personal phone. And uh, so the, the there's oftentimes an intersection, I'll call it, between someone's personal tech stack and a, uh, a business tech stack. Right. And the issue for businesses, I feel like, is like, you know, if if things aren't working, if they're not running efficiently, you know, that can mean the difference between, you know, being successful and and falling behind. You know, in my own personal life, you know, yeah, if my work calendar, my personal calendar don't work, that's that's, you know, I'll figure it out at some point. But for businesses, they they need to be on the forefront of being efficient, of being uh, productive, of making sure that they're accomplishing their goals. So maybe we should just start uh, at the beginning uh, and say, like, you know, what do we mean when we talk about a tech stack? What what does that term mean? How do we define it? I guess my perspective there, Clinton, is that uh, when I talk about a tech stack for a business, you know, it is much like what we've talked about from a personal perspective. It's that sort of suite of hardware, software, and, you know, in a modern world, kind of cloud services or software as a service that's required uh, to go about um, your daily life. So the in much in the way that we with our personal technology, 
um, a business has those same things. So they have that same sort of collective infrastructure of, again, hardware, software, and services that they do are used to go about their day-to-day business and uh, management of customer relationships, support automation of their processes, all those types of things. So for most businesses, what do we typically see as part of their tech stack? What are the pieces of software, the pieces of hardware that that most businesses are dealing with? Yeah, I would say my view of that is that there are probably about six key things that most businesses look at or I look at when I think of their tech stack. I think there's kind of an operating platform, if you will. And that's kind of the traditional thing that we all think about. It's a electronic health record if you're in healthcare, or it's an ERP system if you're in manufacturing. It's kind of those uh, that core system that's the backbone of most things that you do. Um, here at Bailey, that would be NetSuite would be a common example of that, where we use that uh, both in our internal business and our clients to kind of conduct day-to-day transactions. So that's kind of kind of foundational system number one, which is that operating platform. Uh, the second system that I think um, many clients don't think about is more of a customer platform. And to me, you know, this is in, in technology, we often say CRM, customer relationships management. But at the end of the day, that's kind of a system that in a lot of ways uh, barely existed 10, 15 years ago. Certainly the category did, uh, but those systems have completely transformed in a world where we're more digitally connected to our customers and business partners. So first operations, second is that sort of customer platform. The third one that I would say most businesses that are targeted at the podcast or they're listening to this kind of content is a data platform. In a lot of ways, this is kind of an emerging platform that says we're living in this world where we're collecting ever-expanding amounts of data. You'll see these statistics that there's you know, going to be more data collected or more data generated in um, the next you know year or 18 months than have ever been developed or, or generated mm-hmm. in human history, something along those lines. So mm-hmm. kind of that data platform to allow you to manage and get insights out of all of that information. The fourth one um, to me is security. So it's really, it's hard not hard to talk about technology today and not mention this. Um, it's kind of the price of entry into the business tech stack. Every system, every business, everyone needs to be addressing this. What that's required or what's required for each individual business, uh, drastically different from one client to the next or one environment to the next. But I think if you, uh, if you really step back and think about it, it definitely needs to be a, a key foundational part to any business tech stack. My fifth one is automation. Um, So the kind of emerging category here is sometimes called RPA, robotic process automation. Um, And the the way that fits into a digital tech stack for a business is that it is very much that tool that allows you to automate repetitive tasks and um, things of that nature. I think of that as something either you start to experiment with things like that and make that a part of your tech stack or you get left behind. And my last one is not necessarily technology, it's processes. Um, we sometimes forget that our business processes are a critical component to our business tech stack. Uh, we need to make sure we have processes that are well aligned and uh, fit our technology investments and are supported by our technology investments. And I think another important piece in your technology stack is also your people. We maybe don't think about that, but having systems that not only are intuitive for people, but that can be supported at various levels of the organization, not necessarily only supported uh, within an IT department. So enablement within those and really taking a view of in my technology stack, how is that working with my people? Those are all really critical, big things that any business has to deal with. And so 
you know, because I think of like security just in general, you know, there's there's a huge amount of stuff, as you said, with cybersecurity being this the thing you can't ignore, you know, data being this emerging area that is just, you know, really going to start separating businesses in terms of like who's ahead and who's who's fallen behind. So in terms of all these big these big areas, you know, how do you, where do you start in terms of evaluating what you have and what you may need? What's the process there? Yeah, I guess my perspective here is that you always start a technology project with kind of what are your business strategy and goals? That's kind of an easy thing to say. I always say it's a hard thing to argue <laughs> with, but in right. practice, many businesses really don't do that. They sit down and they pick a favorite technology, something along those lines. I actually heard a, a presentation from an organization called Gartner recently, which is a uh, kind of a technology thought leader, I'll say, and they do a lot of research in the industry. And they, they said, what you really ought to do is step back and look at it and say, well, how disruptive do you want your business to be um, within the industry that you're in? And they kind of put the, the category or they categorize your investments into two things. How much of it is going to be that true disruptive new innovation and how much of it is going to be, I want to optimize my current operations. So in their world, uh, the optimizing current operations is I'm going to get more efficient. I'm going to make uh, my manufacturing process more efficient. I'm going to make my back office more efficient um, uh, through an ERP implementation. That's kind of that optimizing category. However, a lot of those same tools allow you to be very disruptive. Uh, so you need to kind of step back. And, and by the way, disruptive is kind of a maybe a new business model. It's a it's an example of um, think Amazon versus Walmart, right? And mm-hmm. if you think of where Amazon uh, kind of drove the disruption in the industry, but then a, a Walmart looked at it and responded. Uh, so the, the question is just where do you kind of want to be on that scale with your business? Are you trying to just get optimize your current operations or are you trying to maybe redefine your business going forward a little bit? I'm glad you defined what you meant by disruptive because I feel like some people might hear that term and they, they're going to think negatively about it or they're going to they're going to be scared by a term like that and really we're talking about you know expanding in ways you never thought of before you know really sort of thinking about where you want to take your business and so when you're when you're talking to businesses and you're and you're going through these questions in this process what are the some of the the common themes that you pick up from them what are some of their common concerns what are some of the things that businesses think about as they're going through this kind of process you know i think the most common theme in terms of uh uh, what do they struggle with? Is that well, my business is doing really well today. Why would I? You know, why would I want to be disruptive? Why would I want to do that? You know, and I I uh, counsel clients all the time to say, well, the reality is, is that you know, virtually everyone's going to be competing with Amazon at some point. Is what it feels <laughs> like. Even healthcare clients, you know, Alexa Health is a real thing. It's going to happen. So if you're in the healthcare industry, what does that mean? I think back to the the pandemic recently and what's happened with COVID nineteen. Uh, the rise of telehealth has gone through the roof, right? So the, the reality is, is that if you're in the healthcare delivery business, you don't necessarily have to be the leader in disrupting that. But if you're kind of in that happy, steady state, you think your business is great. The reality is, is that someone else is going to go out there and disrupt the industry. You can either be disrupted or you can be the disruptor. And it's that sounds a little negative to kind of use your, your connotation earlier. Uh, but the reality is, is that it both can be acceptable. Just be uh, aware of what's happening in the in the marketplace. The, the other thing that I think is related to that is that you can kind of ask that question of what are my competitors are doing. I don't think that's always the best answer, but I do think it's a it's a fair question to ask yourself when you're researching and trying to decide a general direction for your technology investments. And when I say what are your competitors doing, in some ways, you kind of think of your customers. So you'll hear this term digital natives, right? So these are people that grew up knowing nothing other than being connected at all times and all those kind of things. They have expectations. 
And um, if you're not delivering on them, what does that mean to the long, long-term nature of your business? And this can apply to um, consumer-oriented businesses, but also business-to-business, any type of commerce. I think it's a, it's a fair question to say, what are my competitors are doing and what do my customers expect? Those are both fair questions to ask. And the last one I would just add is that, you know, something around timeline and priorities. Nearly every business um, has have some limits on this and say, how fast can we afford to make these investments? Those types of things. So you're going to have to go through a little bit of an effort as you research your options to understand, well, what does my timeline look like for kind of my my digital transformation, if you will? And what are my highest priorities? So as businesses are evaluating the different types of software they use, the different types of systems they use. You know, one of the big questions that comes up uh, for for many businesses as they approach this is, should I go to the cloud or should I go something that's on-premise? And we touched a little bit about this in the last episode talking about ERP, but what are some of the pros and cons that you can see about having a cloud system versus having an on-premise system? To me, this is a really clear path forward, right? So the decision is really not that hard today. There are certainly exceptions, so I don't want to create the... uh, the illusion that there is absolutely no reason to ever do anything on-premise ever again. Uh, There are definitely some exceptions to this, but by and large, I think the answer is almost always, I'll say, uh, cloud is the right answer today. And to me, there are a few reasons why. So this kind of gets to the pros and cons a little bit, but the kind of the reasons why that's the case is that nearly every dollar that's invested in the technology industry across even all of those six segments that I talked about or six elements of the tech stack that I talked about before, almost all of them are cloud focused. So if you want to be able to kind of leverage the the latest and greatest and the best investments coming out of the tech industry, think all the great things that are happening in Silicon Valley and Austin and around the world, um, the reality is the cloud is where you're going to want to be. Second thing is speed of implementation. So uh, the time to implement something in the cloud, they're kind of built on these platforms, if you will, that are are designed to be able to implement quicker. So uh, speed of implementation and agility equals time to value. So you get to the value of their technology investment much quicker. Uh, the third thing is ease of integration and sharing of data. So if you recall, we talked about kind of this data platform or the data as, a, as an element of your tech stack. The reality is that um, cloud systems are built to be able to share information in a much more seamless manner um, than a lot of your on-premise systems. Uh, the fourth thing for me is scalability. Uh, so if you're in a rapidly growing business, you can literally dial up or down what you need. Or even if you're in a seasonal business, you're a lot busier at Christmas time or you're a lot business busier in the summer, whatever that might be, you have the ability to kind of flex the capacity of these systems up and down. And, you know, my last benefit as to why is uh, I uh, I would say even security. So people think, oh, my gosh, it's on the Internet and am I going to get hacked? Uh, the reality is that these cloud systems, what the vendors and service providers uh, invest in securing them far exceeds anything that you'll ever be able to do as kind of a mid-sized business. So people, I think, need to uh, change their thinking on security in the cloud. I think it can actually be and is almost always more secure than whatever you would do as kind of a, a mid-sized business, if you will. So to, to summarize that to me, almost always cloud's the right answer. So it's almost all pros there. And you can kind of take the corollary of those as being cons for on-premise in most cases. I could not think of any reason why on-premise would be better than cloud. It's hard for me to grasp, and perhaps it's the industries in which I work in, which would be wholesale distribution, manufacturing, um, 
you know, healthcare services. Perhaps if you're a spy, (laughs) (laughs) having an on-premise might be good. Uh, But the only thing that I can think of is that if you can afford uh, the highest qualified people who can protect you from cybersecurity threats of, you know, attacks onto your system, most businesses, especially within the mid-market, cannot afford that. And so by being in the cloud, you are able to have the greatest minds protecting you. So once a business has decided what they want their tech stack to look like, once they've sort of made the decisions on the hard decisions on what they actually want to to have as part of their system, you know, what should implementation look like? Once they've made a choice, what can they expect to come next in terms of actually getting the system implemented and working in their environment? I would say that a business needs three things to focus on. Discipline, um, kind of business-led project management, and then flexibility, which is kind of counter to the discipline thing, but I'll explain that in just a second. To me, discipline is discipline on scope. Are we focused on the things that uh, the project is trying to intend? So think requirements, things of that nature could be discipline around the budget and making sure that we stay on budget and on task. Uh, on terms of business-led project management, I think sometimes we think of these as, well, I'm going to go hand this off to my technology team and they're going to go implement it. When the reality is we're doing this for very specific business reasons, we should not only uh, employ project managers that have some sense of business, I think it's uh, something that we should expect. It's the normal way. It's the way we should deliver on what we've thought of as technology projects in the past. And kind of the opposite of that discipline is flexibility. I do think that in rapidly changing times, I think if you were in the middle of implementing a project at the start of COVID, you do need to um, exhibit some level of flexibility, uh, but only when it's needed and when it's appropriate. I just want to echo to John's point on discipline. As you undergo digital transformation in your technology stack, you start the project with this idea of you know going into it with what you have known and as you enter into an implementation you begin to see more and more and more of the possibilities and i liken it to building a house you know when you're building a house you've set a budget as to what you want to spend on that house and then you start looking at the various finishes that you can have on your home And that can really blow the budget is what I would say. And so it's staying disciplined of understanding when I started this project, I knew what these objectives were. I know what the result is. And I'm going to make sure that I still that I keep an idea of a vision for the future, but that I stay focused on what we started this project to be, because as you continue to see more and more possibilities, if you try bringing those into that project, now you delay your go live, you delay so much of the return that you can have at the beginning based on the decision that you made to go into that project. So discipline, I would say completely, John. I would also um, say discipline in following the process that your implementation partner has put forth. That process, while it may seem uh, you know, counterintuitive maybe to the way that your business would necessarily like, 
Um, but if you've chosen a trusted implementation partner, there needs to be a trust and a discipline in following the process because that process of implementation has been iterative over time from that partner uh, and is likely the most efficient way for you to get to your business objectives. So it sounds like there's a lot of thought that should be put into, you know, not just the choice that you make in terms of the systems, but in terms of how you approach implementation, make sure that you, you know, your people are on board, you know, you have a plan in place. You know, once that's been executed, what does success look like then? How do we know that, you know, once we've, we've gone through this whole process, we've made these choices, we've, we've been to the letter on, on, on what the expectations are, how do we know that it's working? How do we know that it's being successful? Yeah, first, Glenn, let me say that, you know, in a lot of ways, success is a little bit different for everyone. It's maybe a little bit cliche, but I do think that it is a true statement that depending on where you're at and where you're trying to go, success could be quite different from from one business to the next. Now, that being said, I do think there are some kind of key attributes to look for. Uh, and you can look for kind of some or all of these to help define success with your digital investments. So to me, the first one is just more efficient operations. So if you think back to that comment um, earlier where we talked about uh, investments in innovation versus investments in operations, almost everybody is trying to get a little bit more efficient at a bare minimum. So are you more efficient than you were uh, before making that investment? It's it's largely uh, the whole point of some technology investments. Uh, The second one to me is... Have you developed or implemented a platform for that innovation and growth? So it's kind of the other side of that scale that we talked about. Do you have something that you can truly go uh, change the business with and help support your growth goals, those types of things? Um, Also, do you have better customer experiences and journeys? So are you interacting better with your customers? Um, You know, particularly if you're implementing a CRM or that kind of customer platform that we mentioned earlier, is is that a better experience for your customer or your business partner? That's a pretty big deal. You know, the, the fourth one is maybe a little bit uh, a little bit uh, odd, but I would say, do you have happier employees? There's nothing more frustrating than technology that doesn't work. We've all had it. You come into work and something just doesn't work with your technology, and it's an incredibly frustrating experience. So if your employees are kind of happier working with their technology and is their experience better, just, just like a customer. And to me, kind of the ultimate success criteria or attribute is a new business model. So have we really gone and defined a new business model? Have we been kind of Amazon-like in our view of the world? Are we truly saying, okay, we're going to create a business model that no competitor has, and we're going to kind of build that moat around it and protect our market, protect our customers, and grow our business? To me, that's digital transformation. So it's kind of the overused sort of buzzword in technology. But when you found a way to take and get your business into a completely different operating model through the use of technology, that is an incredibly powerful use of your tech stack. And we would call that, the industry would call that digital transformation. So Clinton, you're asking, what does success look like when it's implemented? And success is different uh, in every situation. And I, I challenge all of my clients to make sure that they have a clear vision of what success is at the beginning of a project. Because as you get into the mired into those details, you can lose sight of what there was as you entered into this journey of that definition of success. A few things that I would say is number one, increased efficiency, right? And I would say efficiency in ways of, do I have better visibility of my data? 
Uh, have I reduced risk in areas of the business as well as efficiencies of your employees? One of my big tenants, Clinton, is I am so passionate about what I do because I believe that good systems build happier employees, which build happier families, which build happier communities and a better society. And it is so important that the system that is implemented is the system that people can use and feel better job satisfaction because they are achieving their objectives for their career and their growth, and the, which ties into the company's growth uh, in a more efficient and easier way. Saving the world through your tech stack. I love it. Yeah. Saving the world through your tech stack completely. I get so passionate about this, Clinton. It just, it truly is, you know, technology truly is the foundation. It is completely the foundation. We, My son said to me a few weeks ago, it is so unfair that you get to be in front of screens all day long and I only get an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And I laugh at that, but it's true. We are in front of screens nearly all day long and it's making sure that how is our time in front of those screens? Is it efficient or are you doing a bunch of duplicate entry um, that offers you where you know that there's a better way. And when you know there's a better way, uh, it can make your your job very frustrating. This has been a really great conversation about uh, such an important issue for businesses. So thank you very much, John, for being here. And thank you very much, Trina, for being my co-host. You are welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, Clinton. Thanks, Trina. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting, advisory, and technology services with your business in mind. Visit our website to access tools and resources tailored for you. IdeBailey.com slash ebbflow. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Ide Bailey LLP is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. For audience questions and topic ideas, visit idbailey.com slash ebbflow. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash E-B-F-L-O-W. Thanks for listening and don't forget to tune in next time.